0: Hi everyone, this is John. And this is Colin, and we're from the Weirdings
1: Podcast. And you're listening to... This This Freaky Show! What's up, everybody? I am Travis, Dix. and I'm the Freak Joe. And welcome to another episode of this Freakin' Show, bringing you another segment or another uh, special. This Freaky Show, as we salute the uh, the Halloween season all throughout the month of October. Um, we uh we we've been uh, kind of rolling through everything we wanted to do Halloween wise. As uh we had Fear on a couple weeks ago to kind of talk about some horror movies and. You know, some creatures and stuff like that. We talked about some haunted houses and everything. This episode, I want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, something everyone enjoys, and that's food. Mm. Right? So I found a couple places. Uh, I only picked the more popular ones, where I'm sure every one of our listeners has one within the uh, vicinity of where they live. Uh, So uh, there's going to be some specials and stuff that are offered during the Halloween season we're going to go over. Uh, And before we dive into that... I just want everyone to know that this episode of this freaky show is brought to you by Audible.com. If you're just like me and you're a huge fan of stories such as ghost stories or even historical ones, some knowledgeable, some are just there to entertain you, but you're just not a big fan of reading those things yourselves and you just happen not to be near a television to watch anything for that, you can check out Audible.com. Audible.com is the one-stop shop for any audio book that you are looking for. They have thousands of titles available, and I'm sure you can find one that you love that is being read to you. You don't have to do anything but press a button and start the audio yourself. Plus, if you go to audibletrial.com backslash freaknet today, you get a 30-day free trial of Audible. And on top of that, you get a credit that goes towards the first purchase of your first book and there's not really much more you could ask for a free book and a 30-day free trial of audible is available to you right now just by going to audibletrial.com backslash freaknet today this
0: freaky show is also brought to you by wearedapperties.com if you want a high quality knit tie for the low low price of just 15 dollars, head on over to wearedapperties.com and pick yourself one up be sure to use the special discount code Freakin' that's F R E A K I N to even get free shipping on your order. That's right, a high quality knit tie for the low price of just fifteen dollars and free shipping with the discount code Freakin' that's F R E A K I N at WeAreDapperTies.com.
1: Perfect, Joe. Thank you. I like, I like when we could get like the um, the the uh, sponsorships out of the way early. Because I never mm-hmm. want to I never want to forget one. Because I mean Agreed. I mean these are people who are giving us the opportunity to mention them on our weekly podcast. Uh so anyways, guys. Uh as as we mentioned before, and as we're going to continue to mention uh throughout the remainder of any show that we do, uh this podcast is brought to you by FreakNet Studios. If you guys don't know what FreakNet Studios is, go ahead and check out uh, the season premiere of season four of this freaking show we did about three weeks ago, where we kind of went into detail on what FreakNet Studios is. Um, awesome network, uh, collaboration of other podcasts and everything that we are coming together to do a lot of awesome things. Again, more mm-hmm. details in the season premiere that uh, we extensively described uh, throughout the entire episode. So make sure you check that out and check out uh, the other podcasts, our Power Freaknik Studios, that we will plug at the end of the show. We're going to dive into the food, as I mentioned. But, of course, we got to continue with our completely original, our complete idea of our podcast. And that is, well, that freaking happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Joe, if you don't mind, I'd uh, I'd like to uh, share mine first, if that's okay. Oh,
0: yeah, please do. Awesome.
1: Uh, I'm sharing on October 24th, 1933. John Dillinger's Largest Robbery. Hmm. The notorious criminal John Dillinger and his gang robbed a Greencastle, Indiana bank of $74,802. Which may not seem like a lot when you think about 2019, but in 1933, a lot of fucking money. Uh, It was their largest bank robbery. It is claimed he saw a farmer at a teller with cash. Dillinger asked if it was his or the bank's money. The farmer replied it was his life savings. Dillinger, a farm boy, replied, keep it We I want the bank's money. (laughs) Uh, I do believe that was portrayed in Public Enemy, the Johnny Depp movie that talks about uh, John Dillinger and everything, Mm -hmm. Uh, which which is a great movie. Huge fan of Johnny Depp. But yeah, looks like 1933 on August 24th, which we are recording here on the 24th. And um, yeah. Largest robbery of Dillinger's uh, career, $74,000 from a Greencastle, Indiana bank.
0: Dang. I always forget that he was active in Indiana.
1: Yeah. You, every time you think of mobsters and stuff like that, you always think it's all Chicago or it's like New York.
0: Right. Well, what's weird is I know a guy whose grandfather mm-hmm. was a uh, uh, one of um, Capone's uh, henchmen. Who who retired to Tibetan County, Indiana? Yeah,
1: nice. I actually, uh, funny story, and I hope this doesn't cause death to me. But apparently, there was a family member of some kind of uh, early Chicago mob boss that happened to be in uh, the office I work at not too Ooh. long ago. Um, I annoyed who the guy was, but he had a huge meeting with a bunch of upper uh, upper management guys. And one of the coworkers I work with told me who he was. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I probably wouldn't even mention it if I did. Um, and I was like, oh, no shit. And like everyone was like, kind of like whispering about it and saying, like, you know, it's kind of a norm for, you know. <laughs> like the person's part of a business that's part of what we do and shit like that. Which makes a lot of sense for the work that I do. But it's ironic because that is the second time at a second job that that kind of situation has happened to me. Because I've actually had... The uh, great i, I want to say it's the great, great nephew of Al Capone walk into the truck—the truck, uh, the truck um, repair shop that I used to work at. Hmm. Which I didn't know who it was when I first, like, you know, started working there and everything. You get this call from this truck company. I'm not getting into truck company. Um, but I get a phone call and I deal with a lot of truck drivers and constantly they're assholes all the fucking time. And this guy was this guy was no different whatsoever on the phone. You know, truck comes in, they expect to get done right away, immediately, no matter what it was. The engine could blow up; they want it in ten minutes. It's fucked up people. So I'm telling the guy, I'm like, listen, the truck's in the shop. I don't know what to tell you. I can't just snap my fingers and make you know, blah 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 blah. Right. So all of a sudden, he shows up. He shows up with this big big guy. Um, they asked to speak to the foreman of the shop. I go over and say, hey. Uh, The owner of, you know, blank blank is here, wants to talk to you. And I've never seen the foreman like kind of like shocked about something before because I told him what I said on the phone. He goes over and talks to the guy. They get everything taken care of. His truck is pulled in. They start working on it. I'm like, why are we catering to this guy compared to anyone else? And he explained Mm -hmm. to me who his uh, great great uncle was. And I'm like, oh, damn, look at that shit. (laughs) Uh, Not going to lie, ass puckered. And so did my lips after that. I believe that. I believe that. So, yeah it's a, it's a it's a fun little history to know that I had the possibility of meeting relatives of two different mob members and um yeah, it's like you said it's surprising to remember to re- remember how much Dillinger was involved in like countryside shit more than it was like the major cities like New York and Chicago mm-hmm Well, you Joe mm. what uh we got that freaking happen this week
0: um nowhere near as exciting as yours, I don't think but uh <laughs> October 22nd, 1797, in Paris, uh, a fellow named André-Jacques Garnerin uh, invented and used the first parachute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the way his first jump worked, it, it was actually the first jump made with the parachute, um, if you wanted to call it a jump. More of a descent, really. Um, the way it would work is he, he had the, the chute kind of all um, done up like an umbrella with a, with a rod. And then he had a balloon attached to the top of it. And then he was in a basket. And so uh, the balloon would, would float the, uh, the, the whole apparatus up. Uh, it, he says it, it, on Wikipedia here, it says he went up about 3,000 feet and then cut the rope that connected it to the balloon and then floated down. Um, it says the balloon continued skyward while Garnerin, with his basket and parachute, fell. The basket swung violently during the descent, then bumped and scraped when it landed. But Garnerin uh, emerged uninjured. Hmm. Yeah. You
1: yeah, know, I always wonder, like, when it comes to like things like that, when they really want to test shit, like, how do people feel being like the very first person to jump out of a plane with a parachute, or the first person to test out like Kevlar, right? You know, I mean, I get it like with a mannequin and everything, you kind of see like you put you put like a bulletproof vest on a mannequin, take a shot, like, oh shit, then go through. Okay. Well, here, Timmy, throw this on real quick and go out there. Yep. I mean, ballsy fucking people, especially being the first guy's like, oh my god, look what this guy did. He came down the parachute. Perfect. What should we do? Let's go up six thousand more feet <laughs> and try and, again. <laughs> uh, and just jump out. And yeah. make sure you pull that backpack ripcord. It's like, oh God, and they gotta make sure you, you you spin the rope around it. Cause I'm assuming and my vast knowledge of uh parachutes date back to uh plastic G.I. Joe soldiers with mm-hmm. the uh, plastic mm-hmm. um sure. that's the extent of my uh, parachute knowledge.
0: Yeah. Well you know, uh uh I, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more stories from him. But uh you know who who actually spent a lot of his time testing parachutes was Papa Wayne, really yeah when he when he was doing his tour of service during the uh the war in Korea um yeah, that was that was a lot of his his job was was testing to make sure parachutes worked,
1: you know that makes a lot of sense for being the man he was, and it would probably be like a time where like one didn't work. he'd hit the ground, get up, dust himself off, walk back, <laughs> say, this one's busted and walk, and just keep right? on walking. <laughs> right, he could shatter his fucking pelvis. He'd still get up and just walk away.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. But also, it it, it makes sense when you think about uh, how tightly he ran the household.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. have you listened
0: to stories from my dad and and his siblings.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, and I and I guarantee he wasn't appointed that job. He just he just probably just got tired here and I was bitch about not wanting to do it.
0: Would not shock me. Would not shock right? me at all. Wouldn't sh- surprise me if he just said, "Ah, fuck,
1: sign me up." Right, it's like it sounds like, like fun. Yeah, he's like, you know <laughs> what? Uh, g- give me that. If he doesn't want to do it, give me it. I'll I'll, I'll do it. It needs to get done. Yep. Up in the plane, jumps down. Pussy walks away.
0: Right. Yeah, he was telling us a few stories uh, during that week um, about like uh, how you'd have to figure out when to pull the cord based on mm-hmm. what kind of ground you were jumping over. So he would test him over over sand, over water, and over forest, and and kind of see what was the best way and best timing for, for when to pull your cord and stuff um, so that you landed the most smoothly.
1: <laughs> you know, I got to say in the, um, God, it had to have been 14, 12, 14 years or something like that that I knew mm-hmm. him. Never once have we ever talked about, like, military. Like, every time I ever had a conversation with him, it was always, like, post-military, like, uh, in the construction business and stuff like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Same. And until yeah. that until that week, I, d- I hadn't really heard a whole lot. But yeah.
1: Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Papa Wayne. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> guys, just as a reminder, if you're looking for any type of this freaking show merchandise, it is available to you right now at tpublic.com just by searching T-F-S. And I know what you're thinking, like, well, what kind of T-shirts is it? Well, guys, it's not just T-shirt ser- T-shirts. There's so many different uh, types of merchandise that is available that you can throw our logo onto. Uh, merchandise such as sweatshirts, t-shirts, tank tops, onesies, pillows, tapestries, uh, posters, uh, notebooks, laptop cases, cell phone cases, coffee mugs, traveler's mugs. They finally introduced magnets and pins as well. Uh, so make sure you go to tpublic.com, search TFS, and check out the awesome this freaking show merchandise, as well as the JFW merchandise uh, from the Wrestling Podcast, I'm also on, is on there as well. But you can pick up an awesome Cartoon Joe uh, t-shirt that is available there in a plethora of colors. And uh, again, on all the merchandise I had listed, it is available. So if you want Cartoon Joe's cartoony face to be right there on your chest as you walk on the street, that is available.
0: Sweet action.
1: Right. And that's the one thing I do love about tpublic.com is once a month, they do have a uh, sale where you get 33% off the cost of the merchandise. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's really cool. Make sure you check that out. Um, Again, as I mentioned, FreakNet Studios, we are launching a FreakNet Studios shirt uh, here in about a month or so. The design has already been made. I'm just getting ready to release it. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that because that is going to be dropping along with, Um, our current, uh, this freaking show logo are, uh, I like to refer to it as a secret society logo with the Eagle and Mm -hmm. this freaking show around it. Also the original. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is our original, uh, red shirt logo that cartoon Joe, uh, created for us as uh, we started our journey into podcasting. And, um. There is a freaky tail shirt, a little pumpkin that says uh, this freaky show on it. So make sure you check that out as well, because it all is available on tpublic.com just by searching TFS. Food. Probably the most favorite thing that people uh, love, I'm going to say. That's probably not even a good fucking sentence, Joe. The favorite? No, it sounded good. Yeah, I guess it's tolerable. Yeah. I know who I am. People know who I am. Um, But no. um. I, I, one of the biggest things that people uh, love to do is go out and eat and who doesn't love going out to eat with a sale or a coupon or even some kind of special offer brought to them well halloween is no different than a um a special like uh discount for your birthday or something during labor day or possibly an easter brunch i uh, saw so i guess I, li- I i found some information on some uh local i want to say local not restaurants but foodery kind of eatery places and stuff that they do offer up uh many many different kinds of offers i'm just gonna list them off here for you guys so you guys could get kind of an idea of where you could check out uh during uh the halloween season because there's still time we're we're right now we're looking at it's about what about seven days from halloween right now yep one week god so yeah one week from today i'm super excited uh, the first place I want to mention is uh, the Coldstone Creamery. If you guys know about Cold Stone, one of the, probably the best places to get ice cream. Uh, Cold Stone is offering up a black boo batter ice cream for the month of October. Definitely seems like a must try, I gotta say. Um, this one is not so much of a deal, but a special offer that you guys gotta give out Shop Plus, uh, if you've been to the Creamery, you get so much food for such a deal anyways. Uh, Bass Pro Shop. Uh, again, not a food place, but there's an offer. There's an offer. And people love fast food. I'm sure someone out there likes hunting and shit and being all pro when it comes to bass. Uh, on October 19th and 20th, and from the 25th to the 31st, Bass Pro Shop will be hosting their greatest pumpkin celebration. During this event, the kids will be able to take a photo with the Peanuts gang, do some free crafts, and if they're in costume, they could join the costume parade. The costume parade includes a bit of trick-or-treating and candy and a free giveaway. So make sure uh, nice. you take your, yeah, take your kids over to Best Pro Shop uh, between the 25th and 31st. Hang out with the Peanuts Gang. You know, the Great Pumpkin guys. Fun fact for you, I've never seen The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Really? Yeah, let's just add it onto the list of shit I've never seen.
0: I, You know, I feel like everyone should see it, but honestly, I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah,
1: I've seen the Christmas one. I think that's good enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you you have the gist then. Yeah that's how I, I, I feel about the peanuts though
1: i assume it's the same thing except for being at a christmas party they're in a uh, pumpkin fucking farm somewhere
0: yeah and instead of santa it's the great pumpkin that brings halloween joy or whatever
1: exactly uh chuck e. cheese uh for your kids dress your kids up in a costume bring them the chunky e. cheese and you'll get 50 free tickets dang yeah bubblegum shrimp Real place, if uh, those of you who are fans of Forrest Gump didn't realize that, Bob Shrimp is a place. Kids can score a free kid's meal with the purchase of an adult meal on Halloween. This is limited to one kid's meal per table. So if you got multiple kids, pick your favorite. Mm-hmm. Joe's Crab Shack. Um, following the seafood, on October 31st, present a coupon at Joe's Crab Shack and score a free kid's meal with the purchase of an entree. Costumes are not required, but they are encouraged. You get the uh, coupon at Joe's Crap Shack. Nice. IHOP until November 3rd, so even post-Halloween. You still got time. Kids 12 and under eat free at IHOP from 4 to 10 p.m. They'll get one free entree with each adult entree. Also, IHOP currently has a limited-time Adam's Family menu, which is spookily delicious-looking. Mmm. also, big fan, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, the uh, the um, Adam's Family movie coming out. Huge fan of it. I'm really excited to go see it. I keep forgetting that it ha- is happening. Yeah. I've also read that it has been confirmed there's going to be a Hocus Pocus 2. Ooh. I, I found that that has been confirmed. Now, I'm, hmm. I'm still hesitant on if it's going to be worth it or not, but I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's been long enough that maybe they will find something cool to do with it. Hmm. Wendy's, everyone's a fan of Wendy's. The fucking Dave Burgers. Fuck, Baconators. Holy shit. Head over to Wendy's anytime between now and October 31st to purchase Boo Books for just $1. Each Boo Book contains five coupons for a free Junior Frosty with any purchase. Best part about this deal? Proceeds for each book will be donated to the Dave Thomas Foundation for adoption. So not only do you spend $1 and get five free Frosties for a purchase of a regular meal... You're also helping out uh, the adoption fundraiser that Dave Thomas started himself. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, right? Baskin Robbins. Head over to Baskin Robbins on Halloween and score a scoop of any one of their 31 flavors for $1.70. Don't forget to try out their Treat Oreo and Trick Pumpkin Pie flavors. Ooh. Yeah. Probably my favorite, Krispy Kreme. Oh, Krispy Kreme. Uh, if I'm so don- sad
0: that I don't live close enough to a Krispy Kreme to conveniently go get it.
1: We'll get we'll get Krispy Kreme one day. Joe, remember we're gonna have that date night? Mm-hmm. We're gonna watch the the uh, the Halloween tree while eating some beef sandwiches from Tony's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna get some Krispy Kreme donuts. That
0: sounds that excellent. How about it. it?
1: If you love donuts, October 31st is your lucky day anytime, no matter their age. Who is dressed in a Halloween costume on Halloween can score a free donut at Krispy Kreme. They even have some really sweet Halloween exclusive donuts. So, Joey, dress up in a costume and go get a free donut from uh, Krispy Kreme. Perfect. Just find one. Find one. I'm sure. I'm sure you could take a subway or a, an Uber to right? one.
0: Oh God, no! You know how expensive an Uber would be. I'd have to go. It's out in Schaumburg. Is the closest one.
1: Oh God, yeah. I keep, it's like I keep an hour for me. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting how far you live mm-hmm,, uh, Sonic's driving. Uh, stopping at Sonics on Halloween and score a fifty cent corn dog all day. Get a couple of corn dogs in their bellies and your little ghosts and goblins will be ready to take on the neighborhood. Nice. Uh, the final one is Japoli. I think everyone knows about Chipotle, where they have the burrito. Uh, rock your Halloween costume to your local Chipotle restaurant and score a ghoulish burrito. Salad, bowl, or order the tacos for only four dollars on October 31st from three o'clock to close. Give yourself some spicy goodness before you freeze with your little trick-or-treaters. Tremendous. Yeah. There were a couple other ones that were mentioned, but um the as they described them, they had a little note at the bottom saying that they were deals in 2018 and not confirmed to be back for 2019. So I didn't want to share those and get people's hopes up and stuff. But a lot of them were like Outback Steakhouse, uh, Dairy Queen, um, Applebee's, stuff like that. So um, hey, gotcha. make, make sure, you guys, if you if you love food deals and you don't have any other plans for Halloween other than just sell them and do nothing, you feel like going out, just fucking Google up some fucking deals and shit like that. Because there was, a, I think, at Outback Steakhouse. They had like a blooming Onions thing that came like inside a pumpkin or some shit. It looked really fucking cool. So mm-hmm. make sure you check that out just by going online and searching it. And uh, while you're online, make sure you go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and just search this freaking show and uh, start following us and start liking us on all our social media because we're going to start releasing a lot more content, whether it be uh, pictures on Instagram or uh, um uh, fucking uh, articles and stuff that we seem to like, we want to share along on fucking Facebook and Twitter's still kind of there, just kind of notify people of shit uh, that's going on and like podcasts they release because Twitter's kind of dying, in my opinion. I think Twitter's kind of fucking dying. I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know either. I just I don't hear a lot of people talking about it anymore. It's, it's mainly Facebook and Instagram nowadays, but make sure you follow us again. This freaking show, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and uh, just follow along as we uh, as we take our journey not only past this freaky show, which ends next week, ladies and gentlemen, and we're ending with an amazing guest, so make sure you tune in for that. But as we carry on back into this freaking show that rolls over into November, on through the years or months or whatever you want to call it, uh, we're going to get right back into movies and comics and books and music and Cosplaying all that shit. And we're going to share all that on our social media as we have been, uh, recently. Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Joe, if you are ready, you want to dive into this week's freaky tale. I am
0: ready. And I'm hopeful that this is one I haven't read yet. I honestly don't remember. Uh, but I found it It is the minister's black veil Hmm. by Nathaniel Hawthorne.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, I believe this is the guy who also wrote the Scarlet Letter. If you remember that old chestnut,
1: I do. I'm actually a huge fan of it. Easy A, oh. also a good movie, represent uh, fucking. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's about the uh, it's about the uh, the girl who fucking like they accused her of sleeping with people and threw a fucking A on her shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that shit. I readish. Yeah. <laughs> readish. Okay, Joe. This is all you. Bro. <laughs> Excellent.
0: another clergyman in new england mr joseph moody of york maine who died about eighty years since made himself remarkable by the same eccentricity that is here related of the reverend mr hooper in this case however the symbol had a different import in early life he had accidentally killed a beloved friend and from that day till the hour of his own death he hid his face from men the sexton stood in the porch of Milford Metering House, pulling busily at the bell rope. The old people of the village came stooping along the street. Children with bright faces tripped merrily beside their parents, or mimicked a graver gait in the conscious dignity of their Sunday clothes. Spruce bachelors be- looked sidelong at the pretty maidens and fancied that the Sabbath sunshine made them prettier than on weekdays. When the throng had mostly streamed into the porch, the sexton began to toll the bell, keeping his eye on the Reverend Mr. Hooper's door. The first glimpse of the clergyman's figure was the signal for the bell to cease its summons. "'But what has the good parson Cooper got upon his face?' cried the sexton in astonishment. All within hearing immediately turned about, and beheld the semblance of Mr. Hooper, pacing slowly his meditative way toward the meeting-house. With one accord they started, expressing more wonder than if some strange minister were coming to dust the cushions of Mr. Hooper's pulpit. "'Are you sure it's our parson?' inquired Goodman Gray at the sexton of a certainty it is good mr hooper replied the sexton he was to have exchanged pulpits with parson shoot of westbury but parson shoot sent to excuse himself yesterday being, a preach, being to preach a funeral sermon the cause of so much amazement may still appear sufficiently slight mr hooper a gentlemanly person of about thirty although still a bachelor was dressed with due clerical neatness, as if a careful wife had starched his band, and brushed the weekly dust from his Sunday's garb. There was but one thing remarkable in his appearance. swathed about his forehead, and hanging down over his face, so low as to be shaken by his breath, Mr. Hooper had on a black veil. On a nearer view, it seemed to consist of two folds of crepe which entirely concealed his features, except the mouth and chin, but probably did not intercept his sight, further than to give a darkened aspect to all living and inanimate things. With this gloomy shade before him, good Mr. Hooper walked onward, at a slow and quiet pace, stooping somewhat, and looking on the ground as is customary with abstracted men, yet nodding kindly to those of his parishioners who still waited on the meeting-house steps. But so wonderstruck were they, that his greeting hardly met with a return. "'I can't really feel as if good Mr. Hooper's face was behind that piece of crape," said the sexton. "'I don't like it,' muttered an old woman, as she hobbled into the meeting-house. "'He has changed himself into something awful, only by hiding his face.' "'Our parson has gone mad,' cried Goodman Gray, following him across the threshold." a rumor of some unaccountable phenomenon had preceded mr hooper into the meeting-house and set all the congregation astir few could refrain from twisting their heads toward the door many stood upright and turned directly about while several little boys clambered upon the seats and came down again with a terrible racket there was a general bustle, a rustling of the women's gowns and shuffling of the men's feet, greatly at variance with that hushed response, repose, which should attend the entrance of the minister. But Mr. Hooper appeared not to notice the perturbation of his people. He entered with an almost noiseless step, bent his head mildly to the pews on each side, and bowed as he passed his oldest parishioner, a white-haired great-grandsire, who occupied an armchair in the centre of the aisle. It was strange to observe how slowly this venerable man became conscious of something singular in the appearance of his pastor. He seemed not fully to partake of the prevailing wonder, till Mr. Hooper had ascended the stairs and showed himself in the pulpit, face to face with his congregation, except for the black veil. That mysterious emblem was never once withdrawn. It shook with his measured breath as he gave out the psalm. It threw its obscurity between him and the holy page as he read the scriptures, and while he prayed, the veil lay heavily on his uplifted countenance. Did he seek to hide it from the dread being whom he was addressing? Such was the effect of this simple piece of crape, that more than one woman of delicate nerves was forced to leave the meeting-house, Yet perhaps the pale-faced congregation was almost as fearful a sight to the minister as his black veil to them. Mr. Hooper had the reputation of a good preacher, but not an energetic one. He strove to win his people heavenward by mild persuasive influences, rather than to drive them thither by the thunders of the word. The sermon which he now delivered was marked by the same characteristics of style and manner as the general series of his pulpit oratory. But there was something, either in the sentiment of the discur- discourse itself, or in the imagination of the auditors, which made it greatly the most powerful effort that they had ever heard from their pastor's lips. It was tinged, rather more darkly than usual, with the gentle gloom of Mr. Hooper's temperament. The subject had reference to secret sin, and those sad mysteries which we hide from our nearest and dearest, and would fain conceal from our own consciousness even forgetting that the omniscient can detect them. A subtle power was breathed into his words. Each member of the congregation, the most innocent girl and the man of hardened breast, felt as if the preacher had crept upon them, behind his awful veil, and discovered their hoarded iniquity of deed or thought. Many spread their clasped hands on their bosoms. There was nothing terrible in what Mr. Hooper said. At least no violence. And yet, with every tremor of his melancholy voice, the hearers quaked. An unsought pathos came hand in hand with awe, so sensible were the audience of some unwanted attribute in their minister, that they longed for a breath of wind to blow aside the veil, almost believing that a stranger's visage would be discovered, though the form, gesture, and voice were those of Mr. Hooper.' At the close of the services, the people hurried out with indecorous confusion, eager to communicate their pent-up amazement and conscious of lighter spirits the moment they lost sight of the black veil. Some gathered in little circles, huddled closely together, with their mouths all whispering in the center. Some went homeward alone, wrapped in silent meditation. Some talked loudly and profaned the Sabbath day with ostentatious laughter. A few shook their sagacious heads, intimating that they could penetrate the mystery, while one or two affirmed that there was no mystery at all, but only that Mr. Hooper's eyes were so weakened by the midnight lamp as to require a shade. After a brief interval, forth came good Mr. Hooper also in the rear of his flock, saluting his veiled face from one group to another. He paid due reverence to the hoary heads, saluted the middle-aged man with kind dignity as their friend and spiritual guide, greeted the young with mingled authority and love, and laid his hands on the little children's heads to bless them. Such was always his custom on the Sabbath day. Strange and bewildered looks repaid him for his courtesy none as on former occasions aspired to the honor of walking by their pastor's side old squire saunders doubtless by an accidental lapse of memory neglected to invite mr hooper to his table where the good clergyman had been wont to bless the food almost every sunday since his settlement he returned therefore to the parsonage "'and, at the moment of closing the door, was observed to look back upon the people, "'all of whom had their eyes fixed upon the minister. "'A sad smile gleamed faintly from beneath the black veil, "'and flickered about his mouth, glimmering as he disappeared. "'How strange,' said a lady, "'that a simple black veil, such as any woman might wear on her bonnet, "'should become such a terrible thing on Mr. Hooper's face.' Something must surely be amiss with Mr. Hooper's intellects, observed her husband, the physician of the village. But the strangest part of the affair is the effect of this vagary, even on a sober minded man like myself. The black veil, though it covers only our pastor's face, throws its influence over his whole person, and makes him ghost like from head to foot. Do you not feel so? Truly I do, replied the lady. "'and I would not be alone with him for the world. "'I wonder he is not afraid to be alone with himself.' "'Men sometimes are so,' said her husband. "'The afternoon service was attended with similar circumstances. "'At its conclusion the bell tolled for the funeral of a young lady. The relatives and friends were assembled in the house, "'and the more distant acquaintances stood about the door, "'speaking of the good qualities of the deceased "'when their talk was interrupted by the appearance of Mr. Hooper.' still covered with his black veil. It was now an appropriate emblem. The clergyman stepped into the room where the corpse was laid and bent over the coffin to take a last farewell of his deceased parishioner. As he stooped, the veil hung straight down from his forehead so that if her eyelids had not been closed forever, the dead maiden might have seen his face. Could Mr. Hooper be fearful of her glance that he so hastily caught back the black veil? A person who watched the interview beneath, between the dead and the living scrupled not to affirm that, at the instant when the clergyman's features were disclosed, the corpse had slightly shuddered, rustling the sound and the muslin cap, though the countenance retained the composure of death. A superstitious old woman was the only witness of this prodigy. From the coffin Mr. Hooper passed into the chamber of the mourners and thence to the head of the staircase to make the funeral prayer. It was a tender and heart-dissolving prayer, full of sorrow, yet imbued with celestial hopes that the music of a heavenly harp, swept by the fingers of the dead, seemed faintly to be heard among the saddest accents of the minister. The people trembled, though they but darkly understood him when he prayed that they, and himself and all of the mortal race, might be ready, as he trusted this young maiden had been for the dreadful hour that should snatch the veil from their faces. The bearers went heavily forth, and the mourners followed, saddening all the street with the dead before them, and Mr. Hooper in his black veil behind. "'Why do you look back?' said one in procession to his partner. "'I had a fancy,' replied she, "'that the minister and the maiden spirit were walking hand in hand. "'And so had I at that same moment,' said the other. "'That night the handsomest couple in Milford Village were to be joined in wedlock.' "'Though reckoned a melancholy man, Mr. Hooper had a placid cheerfulness for such occasions, "'which often excited a sympathetic smile where livelier merriment would have been thrown away. "'There was no quality of his disposition which made him more beloved than this. "'The company at the wedding awaited his arrival with impatience, trusting that the strange awe "'which had gathered over him throughout the day would now be dispelled. "'But such was not the result.' When Mr. Hooper came, the first thing that their eyes rested on was the same horrible black veil which had added deeper gloom to the funeral, and could portend nothing but evil to the wedding. Such was its immediate effect on the guests that the cloud seemed to have rolled duskily from beneath the black crepe, and dimmed the light of the candles. The bridal pair stood up before the minister, but the bride's cold fingers quivered in a tremulous hand of the bridegroom and her death-like paleness caused a whisper that the maiden who had been buried a few hours before was come from her grave to be married. If ever another wedding were so dismal, it was that famous one where they told the wedding Nell. After performing the ceremony, Mr. Hooper raised a glass of wine to his lips, wishing happiness to the new married couple in a strain of mild pleasantry that ought to have brightened the features of the guests, like a cheerful gleam from the hearth. At that instant, catching a glimpse of his figure in a looking-glass, the black veil involved his own spirit, and the horror with which it overwhelmed all others. His frame shuddered, his lips grew white, he spilt the untasted wine upon the carpet, and rushed forth into the darkness. For the earth, too, had on her black veil. The next day, the whole village of Milford talked of little else than Parson Hooper's black veil, That, and the mystery concealed behind it, supplied a topic for discussion between acquaintances meeting in the street and good women gossiping at their open windows. It was the first item of news that the tavern-keeper told to his guests. The children babbled of it on their way to school. One imitative little imp covered his face with an old black handkerchief, thereby so affrighting his playmates that the panic seized himself, and he well-nigh lost his wits by his own waggery. It was remarkable that all of the busybodies and impertinent, impertinent people in the parish, not one, ventured to put the plain question to Mr. Hooper, wherefore he did this thing. Hitherto, whenever he, whenever there appeared the slightest call for such interference, he had never lacked advisers, nor shown himself averse to be guided by their judgment. If he erred at all, it was by so painful a degree of self-distrust that even the mildest censure... "'would lead him to consider an indifferent action as a crime. "'Yet, though so well acquainted with his amiable weakness, "'no individual among his parishioners chose to make the black veil a subject of friendly remonstrance. "'There was a feeling of dread, neither plainly confessed nor carefully concealed, "'which caused each to shift the responsibility upon another.' till at length it was found expedient to send a deputation to the church in order to deal with Mr. Hooper about the mystery, before it should grow into a scandal. Never did an embassy so ill discharge its duties. The minister received them them with friendly courtesy, but became silent after they were seated, leaving to his visitors the whole burden of introducing their important business. The topic, it might be supposed, was obvious enough. There was the black veil swathed around Mr. Hooper's forehead, and concealing every feature above his placid mouth, on which, at times, they could perceive the glimmering of a melancholy smile. But that piece of crepe, to their imagination, seemed to hang down before his heart, the symbol of a fearful secret between him and them. Were but the veil cast aside, they might speak freely of it, but not till then. Thus they sat a considerable time speechless, confused, and shrieking uneasily from Mr. Hooper's eye, which they felt to be fixed upon them with an invisible glance. Finally, the deputies returned abashed to their constituents, pronouncing the matter too weighty to be handled, except by a council of churches, if indeed it might not require a general syn- synod. But there was one person in the village, unappalled by the awe with which the black veil had impressed all but her, all beside herself. When the duties returned, deputies returned without an explanation, or even venturing to demand one, she, with calm energy of her character, determined to chase away the strange cloud that appeared to be settling round Mr. Hooper, every moment more darkly than before. As his plighted wife, it should be her privilege to know what the black veil concealed. At the minister's first visit, therefore, she entered upon the subject with a direct simplicity, which made the task easier both for him and her. After he had seated himself, she fixed her eyes steadfastly upon the veil, but could discern nothing of the dreadful gloom that had so overawed the multitude. It was but a double fold of crepe, hanging down from his forehead to his mouth, and slightly stirring with his breath. "'No,' she said aloud, and smiling. There is nothing terrible in this piece of crepe, except that it hides a face with which I am always glad to look upon. Come, good sir, let the sun shine from behind the cloud. First lay aside your black veil, then tell me why you put it on. Mr. Hooper's smile glimmered faintly. There is an hour to come, said he, when all of us shall cast aside our veils. Take it not amiss, beloved friend, if I wear this piece of crepe till then your words are a mystery too returned the young lady take away the veil from them at least elizabeth i will said he so far as my vow may suffer me know then this veil is a type and a symbol and i am bound to wear it ever both in light and darkness in solitude and before the gaze of multitudes and as with strangers so with my familiar friends no mortal eye will see it withdrawn "'This dismal shade must separate me from the world. "'Even you, Elizabeth, can never come behind it.' "'What grievous affliction hath befallen you?' "'She earnestly inquired, "'that you should thus darken your eyes forever.' "'If it be a sign of mourning,' replied Mr. Hooper, "'I, perhaps like most other mortals, "'have sorrows dark enough to be typified by a black veil.' "'But what if the world will not believe "'that it is the type of an innocent sorrow?' "'Urged Elizabeth.' "'Beloved and respected as you are, "'there may be whispers that you hide your face "'under the consciousness of secret sin. "'For the sake of your holy office, do away this scandal.' "'The colour rose into her cheeks "'as she intimated the nature of the rumours "'that were already abroad in the village. "'But Mr. Hooper's mildness did not forsake him. "'He even smiled again, that same sad smile, "'which always appeared like a faint, glimmering light, "'proceeding from, from the obscurity beneath the veil.' If I hide my face for sorrow, there is cause enough, he merely replied, and if I cover it for secret sin, what mortal might not do the same? And with this gentle but unconquerable obstinacy did he resist all her entreaties. At length Elizabeth sat silent. For a few moments she appeared lost in thought, considering, probably, what new methods might be tried to withdraw her lover from so dark a fantasy, which, if it had no other meaning, was perhaps a symptom of a mental disease. Though of a firmer character than his own, the tears rolled down her cheeks. But in an instant, as it were, a new feeling took place of the, took the place of sorrow. Her eyes were fixed insensibly on the black veil. When, like a sudden twilight in the air, its terrors fell around her, she arose and stood trembling before him. And then, and do you feel it then? At last, said he mournfully. She made no reply, but covered her eyes with her hand and turned to leave the room. "'He rushed forward and caught her arm. "'Have patience with me, Elizabeth,' cried he passionately. "'Do not desert me. "'Though this veil must be between us here on earth, be mine, "'and hereafter there shall be no veil over my face, "'no darkness between our souls. "'It is but a mortal veil. "'It is not for eternity. "'Oh, you know not how lonely I am "'and how frightened to be alone behind my black veil. "'Do not leave me in this miserable obscurity for ever.' lift the veil but once and look me in the face said she never it cannot be replied mr hooper then farewell said elizabeth she withdrew her arm from his grasp and slowly departed pausing at the door to give one long shuddering gaze that seemed almost to penetrate the mystery of the veil but even amidst his grief mr hooper smiled to think that only a material emblem had separated him from happiness though the horrors which it shadowed forth must be drawn darkly between the fondest of lovers. From that time no attempts were made to remove Mr. Hooper's black veil, or by a direct appeal to discover the secret which it was supposed to hide. By persons who claimed a superiority to popular prejudice it was reckoned merely an eccentric whim, such as often mingles with the sober actions of men otherwise rational, and tinges them all with its own semblance of insanity.' "'but with the multitude good Mr. Hooper was irreparably a bugbear. "'He could not walk the street with any peace of mind, "'so conscious was he that the gentle and timid would turn aside to avoid him, "'and that others would make it a point of hardihood to throw themselves in his way. "'The impertinence of the latter class compelled him to give up his customary walk "'at sunset to the burial-ground, for when he leaned pensively over the gate "'there would always be faces behind the gravestones, peeping at his black veil.' A fable went the rounds that the stare of the dead people drove him thence, It grieved him to the very depth of his kind heart to observe how the children fled from his approach, breaking up their merriest sports while his melancholy figure was yet afar off. Their instinctive dread caused him to feel more strongly than aught else that a preternatural horror was interwoven with the threads of the black crepe in truth his own antipathy to the veil was known to be so great that he never willingly passed before a mirror nor stooped to drink at a still fountain lest in his peaceful bosom he should be affrighted by himself this was what gave plausibility to the whispers that mr hooper's conscience tortured him for some great crime too horrible to be entirely concealed or otherwise than so obscurely intimated Thus, from beneath the black veil, there rolled a cloud into the sunshine, an ambiguity of sin or sorrow which enveloped the poor minister, so that love or sympathy could never reach him. It was said that ghost and fiend consorted with him there. With self-shudderings and outward terrors, he walked continually in its shadow, groping darkly within his own soul, or gazing through a medium that saddened the whole world. Even the lawless wind, it was believed." Among all its bad influences, the black veil had the one desirable effect of making its wearer a very efficient clergyman. By the aid of his mysterious emblem, for there was no other apparent cause, he became a man of awful power over the souls that were in agony for sin. His converts always regarded him with a dread peculiar to themselves, affirming, though but figuratively, that before him that, before he brought them to celestial light, they had been with him behind the black veil. Its gloom indeed enabled him to sympathize with all dark affections. Dying sinners cried aloud for Mr. Hooper, and would not yield their breath till he appeared, though ever as he stooped to whisper consolation, they shuddered at the veiled face so near their own. Such were the terrors of the black veil, even when death bared his visage. Strangers came along, distances, to attend service at his church, with the mere idle purpose of gazing at his figure, because it was forbidden them to behold his face. But many were made to quake ere they departed.' Once, during Governor Belcher's administration, Mr. Hooper had appointed to preach the election sermon. Covered with his black veil, he stood before the chief magistrate, the council, and the representatives, and wrought so deep an impression that the legislative measures of that year were characterized by all the gloom and piety of our earliest ancestral sway. In this manner, Mr. Hooper spent a long life, irreproachable in outward act, yet shrouded in dismal suspicions, kind and loving, though unloved and dimly feared. A man apart from men shunned in their health and joy, but ever summoned to their aid in mortal anguish. As years wore on, shedding their snows above his sable veil, he acquired a name throughout the New England churches, and they called him Father Hooper. Nearly all his parishioners, who were of a mature age when he was settled, had been borne away by many a funeral. He had one congregation in the church. "'and a more crowded one in the churchyard, "'and having wrought so late into the evening "'and done his work so well, "'it was now good Father Hooper's turn to rest. "'Several persons were visible by the shaded candlelight "'and the death chamber of the old clergyman. "'Natural connections he had none, "'but there was the decorously grave, "'though unmoved physician, "'seeking only to mitigate the last pangs of the patient "'whom he could not save.' There were the deacons and other eminently pious members of his church. There also was the Reverend Mr. Clark of Westbury, a young and zealous divine, who had ridden in haste to pray beside the bedside of the expiring minister. There was the nurse, no hired handmaiden of death, but one whose calm affection had endured thus long in secrecy, in solitude amid the chill of age, and would not perish even at the dying hour. Who but Elizabeth, and there lay the hoary head of good father Hooper upon the death pillow, with the black veil still swathed about his brow, and reaching down over his face, so that even so that each more difficult gasp of his faint breath caused it to stir. All through life that piece of crape had hung between him and the world. It had separated him from cheerful brotherhood and woman's love, and kept him in that saddest of all prisons, his own heart. "'and still it lay upon his face, "'as if to deepen the gloom of his darksome chamber "'and shade him from the sunshine of eternity. "'For some time previous his mind had been confused, "'wavering doubtfully between the past and the present "'and hovering forward as it were at intervals "'into the indistinctness of the world to come. "'There had been feverish turns "'which tossed him side to side "'and wore away what little strength he had.' But in his most convulsive struggles, and in the wildest vagaries of his intellect, when no other thought retained its sober influence, he still showed an awful solicitude lest the black veil should slip aside. Even if his bewildered soul could have forgotten, there was a faithful woman at his pillow, who, with averted eyes, would have covered that aged face, which she had last beheld in the comeliness of manhood. At length the death-stricken old man lay quietly in the torpor of mental and bodily exhaustion, with an imperceptible pulse and breath that grew fainter and fainter, except when a long, deep, and irregular inspiration seemed to prelude the flight of his spirit. The minister of Westbury approached the bedside. "'Venerable Father Hooper,' said he, "'the moment of your release is at hand. Are you ready for the lifting of the veil that shuts in time from eternity?' Father Hooper at first replied merely by a feeble motion of his head. Then, apprehensive perhaps that his meaning might be doubted, he exerted himself to speak. "Yea," said he in faint accents, "my soul hath a patient weariness until that veil be lifted." It is fitting," resumed the Reverend Mister Clark, "that a man so given to prayer, of such a blameless example, holy indeed in deed and thought, so far as mortal judgment may pronounce." Is it fitting that a father in the church should leave a shadow on his memory that may seem to blacken a life so pure? I pray you, my venerable brother, let not this thing be. Suffer us to be gladdened by your triumphant aspect as you go to your reward. Before the veil of eternity be lifted, let me cast aside this black veil from your face. And thus speaking, the Reverend Mr. Clark bent forward to reveal the mystery of so many years. But— Exerting a sudden energy that made all the beholders stand aghast, Father Hooper snatched both his hands from beneath the bedclothes and pressed them strongly on the black veil, resolute to struggle if the minister of Westbury would contend with a dying man. Never! cried the veiled clergyman. On earth, never! Dark old man! exclaimed the affrighted minister. With what horrible crime upon your soul are you now passing to the judgment? Father Hooper's breath heaved. It rattled in his throat, but with a mighty effort, grasping forward with his hands, he caught hold of life, and held it back till he should speak. He even raised himself in bed, and there he sat, shivering with the arms of death around him, while the black veil hung down, awful, at that last moment, in the gathered terrors of a lifetime, and yet the faint, sad smile, so often there, now seemed to glimmer from its obscurity, and linger on Father Hooper's lips." "'Why do you tremble at me alone?' cried he, turning his veiled face round the circle of pale spectators. "'Tremble also at each other! Have men avoided me, and women showed no pity, and children screamed and fled only from my black veil? "'What but the mystery which it obscurely typifies has made this piece of crape so awful?' When the friend shows his inmost heart to his friend, the lover to his best beloved, when man does not vainly shrink from the eye of his creator, loathsomely treasuring up the secret of his sin, then deem me a monster for the symbol beneath which I have lived and die. I look around me, and lo, on every visage, a black veil." when his auditors shrank from one another in mutual affright, Father Hooper fell back upon his pillow, a veiled corpse, with a faint smile lingering on his lips. Still veiled, they laid him in his coffin, and a veiled corpse they bore him to the grave. The grass of many years is sprung up and withered on that grave. The burial stone is moss-grown, and good Mr. Hooper's face is dust. But awful is still the thought, that it moldered beneath the black veil. The end.
1: Good job, Joe.
0: Thank you. Sorry, that was a long one. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be that long.
1: Nah, I liked it. <clears throat> I'm okay with it. I'm sure Thank our you. listeners will be too. You did good job. Fucking crushed it like you always do. Thank Bravo you. to you, Joe. Bravo Thank to you. fucking you. You know, and that's the one thing that's sad when it comes to the end of October is that uh, Freaky Tales goes away for a whole year. Yep. Is so, true. Yeah, so make sure you guys enjoy uh, the amazing readings that uh, the Freak Joe brings to you once a year as uh, we have one final Freaky Tale next week for you guys. We do. We do.
0: We do. <clears throat> and this, so that being said, this is your last chance to send one in.
1: That's right. That's very true. So make sure you guys find one that you guys like, you want to hear, and send it in and say, hey, Freak Show, I want you to read this one. Because he'll do it. He's done it before. Yep. Very true. Mm-hmm. Guys, as before, we are part of Freaknut Studios. Uh, that is uh, this freaking show, which you catch every single week on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Podbean just by searching this freaking show. This freaking show. But we're also accompanied in the FreakNet studio by Just Freak of Wrestling, the JFW podcast, which is hosted by myself along with Dizzle J, which you'd catch every Saturday on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Podbean, just by such a JFW podcast, as well as The Gray Area, which is hosted by Sarge, and you'd catch that every single week at thegrayarea.com, Podbean, Google Play, and uh, I believe he's also on iTunes. Not quite sure. Nice. But no, basically... Three amazing podcasts that are coming together to create Freakness Studios, and you can catch all each single podcast every single week on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, at least. <clears throat> Speaking of awesome podcasts, hey, Joe. Yes. Every week, our listeners could catch uh, Cartoon Joe, GeekCast Joe, or the Freak Joe, I guess, depending on how you're feeling, right here on this freaking show or this freaky show, depending on what time of year you're listening to it. But, of course, that's just one episode a week where you catch uh, this kind of Joe. Now, everyone knows that this kind of Joe is an amazing guy that they want to hear for more than just an hour every single week. Well, we can help them, uh, right? They're getting more cartoon Joe, can't we?
0: Indeed. If you need more of this, Joe, you can head on over to the GeekCast Live podcast at our new website, violentpress.com. And if you'd like more info, uh, head on over to our new Facebook page, which is the the Violent Press Facebook page. You can get there from our old Facebook page, which is still active, which is GeekCast Live. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Google Play and Twitter by searching GeekCast Live. But uh, we've got some new stuff in store. So uh, ears to the ground, friends.
1: Yeah, Joe, help me and explain this. What what is Violent Press?
0: So uh, we have been over at the GeekCast Live podcast working for a few years on on broadening outside of just podcasts, mm-hmm. and so our idea for Violent Press, as I understand it, uh, right now, um, ten till ten on October twenty fourth, twenty nineteen is uh it's going to be the place where you can find uh comic books that we write and produce um comic books written and produced by friends of ours um uh, maybe board games in the future maybe videos um and maybe campaign modules for various rpgs
1: okay yeah Yeah. i I got i got the uh, i got the uh the invitation to like the page and i saw there was some uh uh, games and book creations everything. I just really didn't like, I didn't know if like GeekCast Live is gone and this is replacing it or what the process was for that. So thank you for explaining it to mm-hmm. me further.
0: Yeah, it's more of a, it's a, a branching out into other venues. I gotcha, I
1: gotcha. Well, Freak Joe, I want you to uh, share with me, what are you freaking thinking?
0: Um, I am freaking thinking that uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is a really fun game.
1: What is uh, Dragon Quest Eleven?
0: It is a, a, a JRPG or a Japanese role-playing game. I think okay. that's what it stands for. Uh, for the PlayStation Four, uh, I think it's on other consoles as well. But uh, I've just played been playing the ever living crap out of it um, the last couple of weeks. Um, it's it's a game I got from our brother Houston, um, who loved it. I think he put over a hundred of hundred hours of gameplay oh, into damn. it. Um, I've put in, uh, I've logged about 60. So, um, it's, it's honestly, it's not that it's a long game. There's just so much to do. So, but it's fun. It's, it's really, it's a fun game. You know, it's, it's your regular role. You're the protagonist. You have to save the world with your plucky group of, of people that you collect. Um, yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. I've, I've really had a fun time playing it. I gotcha. Yeah. What about you? What are you freaking thinking about?
1: Uh, you know, I, I've actually been spending the last uh, week freaking thinking about uh, the upcoming uh, meeting that uh, we are having for Freaknet Studios this Saturday. Uh, I'm really excited for the fact, I do believe this is, is going to be the first time you and Dizzle J get to meet Sarge. Indeed. Um, you and Jay have met uh, previously, obviously, on my birthday, and I think a time before that as well. So uh we kind of know of each other um you guys don't know much about Sarge and then he is a host of uh the gray area and also part of Freakness studios so it's gonna be cool to have a chance for all of us to kind of get together meet up and finally uh figure out uh, what we expect and what we plan to do uh, going forward with the uh, FreakNet Studios and the collaborations that we're all going to do together. Because we have kind of uh, brought together a couple ideas of what we're going to do as far as the YouTube videos are going to release and some other ideas that we had. Uh, We did mention, I believe, a couple weeks ago that we were thinking about maybe doing some kind of a recording at like a haunted house or something we're planning to do for this year that it doesn't seem like we're going to have time to do this year. Mm -hmm. But um i did have another idea of uh, something we can do that is very similar to that we're going to talk to off of recording because i want to keep it a surprise for the listeners but that's kind of what i'm expecting from the meeting i'm really you know excited to hear uh each of our uh perspectives and ideas of what we're going to do for Freakness studios and the content we're going to deliver to our listeners as a whole so i'm really excited for that sweet action plus it's fucking chicken wings bro it's fucking chicken wings damn straight god i'm so excited um, damn, you know, Joe, I, I plugged every single thing throughout the entire show. I have nothing to plug at the end. Nice. I think this is the first time where I could truly say, and that's all I got. Because as always, I am Travis Stig.
0: And I'm the Freak Joe.
1: And thank you for listening to another episode of this freaking show. i